Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. One of the things that go into it is uh, our historical close rates, our historical linearity. So linearity is great. Just uh, very quickly, it's it's a very, very highly predictive way to kind of look at your business. Because if everything is hitting at 33% in month one, 33% in month two, and 33% in month three, that is a super predictable business. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Adam Esavido, who is a sales operations manager at Tableau Software. Now, Adam has had a very interesting career um, or is having a very interesting career um, with stints in the army and I believe in the in the world of ar- archaeology. Uh, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, Adam. but No, that's absolutely correct. So my first question is obviously going to be, how did you navigate your way through these rather diverse areas into the beautiful world of sales operations? Uh, sales operations, the great thing about sales operations and everything that I've touched really is um, data. So that's really what strings together my career. I started off acad- you know, in academia, in archaeology, anthropology, actually. Um, turned that into uh, you know, a career in, uh, as a military intelligence analyst. It turns out making airplanes has data. Building stores at Starbucks has data. And sales operations has data. And so uh, I just kind of rode that uh, analyst career. And um, here we are. So the, uh, the common theme has, has been data. I'd like to jump into one of those examples. I actually used to be a supervisor at Starbucks. So can you talk a little bit more about how Starbucks uses data to choose their store locations? Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Everything and in between. So um, that's solely in the uh, realm of um, real estate. And so um, they have, you know, it's part, uh, it's a function of global store development and um, store location and store, uh, store, choosing the store location is, is, has everything to do with um, choosing the right place, uh, traffic, um, proximity to closest population density, um, how you could 
um, get materials in there, so the supply chain. Um, and there's a whole lot of cost and benefit analysis that kind of goes into it. There's actually a standardized spreadsheet that they use to be able to do that. And um, if the costs justify the means, basically, um, they just green light and uh, build that store. So were you actually involved in that process or were, with your role different? Um, in terms of serving the data, yes. Yeah. So um, to the point where, hey, could we choose this location to the left side of the street or the right side of the street? Which one is more lucrative, right? In the mornings, you want to be able to be in the middle of that kind of morning traffic. Exactly. Mm. And the opposite side of the street, not as much. And then also um, a Boeing. I read on your LinkedIn profile about uh, some data migrations that has significant cost savings. So data migrations, I believe, from different systems into one. Could you share more about what the problem was, what the solution was, and the impact that it had on the business? Yeah, uh, at Boeing, um, we were having different... It's a classic, we're using too many systems to track different points of data. And so... And, and it's also, you know, that that industry is not quite as mature as kind of the, the leading tech technology industries, right? Who actually craft and code and make these, these programs. And so um, uh, they were using, you know, legacy BI systems in, in separate places. And, and the end, end result of that is kind of like the old motion of push uh, Excel reports. And so we wanted to get away from that and to kind of move that into one place, um, starting with supplier data what you're ordering, um, the, the schedule of each airplane, uh, where, what you're developing. So I was in test and evaluation just as a, as a kind of sidebar. These are airplanes that don't, don't exist yet. These are new. <laughs> They're testing it. They, you know, very exciting models of airplanes. And so, um, we don't even know sometimes what the pieces are. And so we also need supplier data, what, um, items we're going to order. And then we have to throw that up against the test schedules and the build schedules. So the, the supply needs to be there on time so that you can build it on time. Once you build it, you have to test it on time. And then at the very end, you have to certify that one model of airplane. And so um, that all needs to be kind of in one place. And uh, kind of we started doing that there. Got it. So we talked about data to select Starbucks store locations. We've talked about data in the airplane manufacturing process. How are you currently, and this is a big question, Adam, how are you currently using data at Tableau to help your sales reps be more effective? To ensure that they are as successful as possible, we literally look into aspects of their business from end to end. So data is ruled, you know, as sales sales experts, you know, you start out with basically the whole thing leads to uh, opportunity close. And um, we just kind of evaluate where those gaps are. So for example, if you have a function that is sourcing uh, opportunities you know, you can you can you can cover any of these things in, in any which way. There's no right, you know, coverage model. But let's say you have a uh, BDR team that sources um, opportunities, uh, and there's a gap between a customer that's interested and that says, "Hey, uh, we would like to buy some Tableau," and then you hand it off to the sales rep to be able to close the deal. If you see that there's a gap there, 
um, we we can see that using the data. So a specific example is that in Salesforce, the instance, there are tasks that you log. And um, if you there's a specific sequence where if you hand off an opportunity, um, we are seeing that there's a lag between the BDR giving it to the sales rep and the sales rep calling into the customer. And so we just kind of implemented a cycle where, hey, take a look at this. Um, we're seeing that it's been two weeks since you followed up. And, you know, we've seen in the data that if you follow up within two weeks, you will have an opportunity. If you do not, that goes away. So you're throwing away all the work that the BRs have done if you don't follow it up. And it's all driven by this data. We'd like to have, to, you know, we'd like to turn it over to within one week if we have, if we can. Mm -hmm. So awesome, a very specific example of how, how you guys can use data to make salespeople more effective. Can we just zoom out a little bit and understand the, the structure of the Salesforce function at Tableau, just to give people a bit more context to your role at the moment? Yeah, so um, we have different flavors of um, account executives. So the highest strategic levels are actually, you know, a finite account set um, that are deeply in, embedded and kind of know the, the strategic and data journey of their accounts. And so think of the Apples and the Googles and of, of, and the Amazons of the world. Um, and so those are highly strategic, highly involved. Um, with basically the AE acting as, as quarterback. They have just a crew of resources to be able to help their customers just be successful and implement and deploy Tableau at scale at an enterprise level. Um, you know, you have other kind of flavors um, where you just it just scales down depending on the customer. So at the very bottom level is our SMB team that is just basically um, just looking for opportunities, uh, either calling in and in other cases, there's just companies that say, hey, we would like to buy some Tableau. And here we are. And then your sales function um, is supporting all of those, like both types of sales teams. Correct. Correct. At, at our level, we, we check the metrics. Um, we have different analysts that kind of support kind of the commercial team, the enterprise team, and then all the verticals in between. Um, we have certain metrics, pipeline coverage, uh, forecast accuracy, linearity, that kind of show us and tell us how things are doing in each of those businesses. Got it. Now, what has been a focus for you in sales ops since the start of 2021? Uh, well, I have been fortunate enough to uh, support directly the public sector business. Um, this is very interesting because in both 2020 and 2021, um, we have had the privilege or, or I guess advantage um, of having kind of COVID-related opportunities last year. And now uh, in the States, at least, we have kind of um, our president's uh, stimulus plan, that kind of infrastructure stimulus plan that really is um, affecting uh, our business. And so we're, we're really tracking that. Um, you know, a lot of these things we're looking for customer growth and success. And so um, we are, we're really evaluating on, hey, what is the stickiness? Um, how, how good is our product when addressing kind of COVID needs? Is this a one-year thing or is this going to last long-term? Um, same thing for the infrastructure plans. Um, if you're a company that builds bridges or roads, um, 
I know that you're going to get funding in the public sector to be able to purchase technology and what have you to to execute on you know whatever construction you need to do. Um, but we would like to show really realize you know that value that we bring so that um, that will stay long term. And so we're kind of addressing um, whether or not that is going to be a short term or long term opportunity for us. Got it. Yeah, that's super interesting, right? Like you know. This, this revenue coming in, whether it's from COVID or the infrastructure bill, um, are, like, will these opportunities persist or will they go away once the funding has been uh, removed? Makes total sense. Could you share, like, I, I would like to dig into another example similar to the one that you shared uh, with the handoff between the BDR and the sales rep about how you guys are using data to improve things. Is, is there another example you can share of how you have uh, look to the data and sales process and then tweak something to change the result? Um, actually, yeah. Something that we do on a weekly basis is pipeline coverage. And so um, essentially, and it's nothing that you, you we tweak necessarily. It becomes a conversation with the VP, right? And uh, we have these things to be able to kind of raise that flag. So the specific example would be pipeline coverage. And at an aggregate level, for example, the public sector team has a really good pipeline coverage ratio. So something like if you have... Uh, Two times the opportunity. I'm just I'm just rounding out the number here. If you have two two times the opportunities based on what you have left in the quota that you have to meet, um, that's a really healthy um, coverage for your pipe. Um, <clears throat> but when you drill down to, at a district level, you're you're seeing pockets where pipeline is very very strong, um, and then pockets where pipeline is at one x. So when I see that, it's a really huge flag because for the remainder of that quarter, you really have to close and win the rest of your opportunities to even meet your quota. And so at that point, we'll see, we'll, we'll find these red flags and uh, we'll have a conversation with the VP and, and kind of, hey, we need to write the ship. We kind of, you know, it's kind of steering away. What can we do? What can we do to help to be able to, de- to, to steer this the correct way? Is it spiffs? Is it um, you know some sort of incentive? And we're there to help. It's not it's not anything you know that kind of slaps anybody's hand, right? Sometimes it's felt that way, um, but yeah, it's just to raise that flag and uh, ensure that you know we meet kind of the goals that we've set for the start of the year. So what we're seeing here really is a combination of the two core skill sets of a sales of hard Starbucks mug, beautiful. Um, the two core skill sets, they're the hard and the soft skills, right? So actually digging into the data, realizing that in this specific area, pipeline coverage is, is significantly less than two, therefore there's a problem. But then the soft skills, which is where you're going to the VP or the rep and not saying, what's going on over here? But saying, how can we help you improve pipeline coverage so that we are all more likely to hit the quota? Just a clarification question. So is that a meeting that you have with once per week with all of the VPs, and then you'll be diving into different areas or looking at pipeline coverage with them. Uh, yes, yes. If there is um, at a, at a, they're they're together in one meeting, and so we kind of see that at an aggregate level. Um, if there is anything specific to the business, the district of the RDS that kind of support it, we'll call that out at that time. Yeah, that's a, that's that's nice. Do you have any more? And I and I'm I'm pushing you for another here. Any more examples of using data for improving the sales process? Yeah, a really fun one for me is kind of forecasting. Uh, you know, when you say you're going to do, let's let's just 
you know, $20 million for the quarter. Do you really mean that? So there's a couple of things there, forecast accuracy, how close are you? And it depends on which week you are at the end of the quarter. If you give me the right number at the end of the quarter, you're that's not as fruitful as week five or week 10, for example. Um, and then one of the things that go into it is uh, our historical close rates, our historical um, linearity. So linearity is great, just uh, very quickly. It's it's a very, very highly predictive um, way to kind of look at your business um, because if everything is hitting at 33% in one month one, 33% in month two, and 33% in month three, that is a super predictive predictable business. If your quota is 15 million and you do five in each month, you're good to go. And so um, <clears throat> that's one of the things that, we're, that we kind of throw that up against. So I'll give you an example. Um, if a, let's say quarter, second quarter is at 25, 25, 50 last year, and we need 15 million, and we did 5 million in the first quarter, we are tracking ahead of our linearity and we're doing a really, really good job to continue that. Now, if that trends the same way, you can kind of predict, well, geez, we're going we're gonna to do about 20 million based on, based on the initial numbers, right? And it's not always going to do that, but um, um, it's a really good way to predict things. And so we have conversations about that, um, especially in you know, week 10, where we kind of see the first two months and we're trying to find out where we land that third month. And um, you know, if I can just say, well, it looks like we have this X amount of business left. And um, last year we did uh, 50% of the business. Then um, we can we can predict that we will land ahead of ahead of our quota. I kind of feel like you could go on uh, all afternoon giving specific <laughs> examples of data in the sales <laughs> process. So, so we will stop there. My final question, if you Adam, is who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Oh, um, you know, my leader's leader's leader, it would be Brian Selby. So he leads our whole organization at a global level um, who just does it with such humility. And the secret, I don't know his secret. I just want to know because he does it as as though he were invisible. Things are running. Mm. And um, it's just like, I know he has such a huge impact, right? And um, But he, he does it in such a way that everything just seems less stressful. It's very calm and um, it's just magic. Brian Selby, is he the, the leader of the sales function or the leader of Tableau? Ops. Ops, uh, Tableau Ops sales operations. Yes. Amazing. He, he's really cemented kind of sales operations as a craft. We will we will tag Brian in this <laughs> and we may even ask him to come on. Um, Absolutely. Adam, thank you so much for being so uh, clear and sharing the, the very specific examples. I'm now going to hand over to my delightful co-host, who I believe has the more specific sales ops questions to to dig into. Thanks, Tom. <clears throat> yes, so, um, yeah, thanks, thanks again, Adam. It was really, really interesting um, listening to and, and loved all those examples. And I just wanted to maybe pull back a bit to start with and, and, and think bigger picture, but your key focus is, as you said, for all for your career is being sort of data-driven and, and following where the data goes. Um, and I just wondered, both on a, an organizational level and then a personal level, what would your um, advice be for how, 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 how do you become data-driven? Um, you know, it, 
just to be completely, you know, personal, I, I got lucky. I started out as a military intelligence analyst, and uh, you know, this whole thing about BI was just kind of getting foot, and then and then Tableau just really put it, you know, took it to the forefront, and then I was lucky enough to be part of the organization. So as far as you know, being data driven, it has to. You really have to kind of incorporate that as your core. So um, things that I say is. Uh, no matter what I do, and you've kind of seen my history, it's in, in different his, you know, different industries. Um, but what strings them together, like I said, is that data piece, and everything is data. I could be selling uh, wine, you know, of different kinds in different regions, and that would be my business, and I would still be thinking about data. It is a core pillar, and so um, something that I would give you know advice to others if you're doing this is just take that. Um, and just incorporate that into your life. Um, it's it's like, you know, changing a lifestyle for a better and healthy living. Thanks. And and how about as an organization? Because I I I think most lots of people, certainly people in the operations world, want to be data driven. Um, not necessarily all organizations are so so key. And, and then and potentially dealing with that friction. So what are the marks that are, that organizations clearly uh, set up for success there? Yeah, the biggest thing is uh, the culture. And so you can kind of tell that with kind of the appetite. Um, in some cases, a lot of organizations are ready for change, and uh, they're they're just banging at your door to just change, to change that. And and so one of the things I think about is uh, your culture. Um, make sure that you have that, uh, and in court, you know, you have key people that are kind of evangelists of of data and then a community. And so bring everybody else into the fold. And one of the things that that has happened, I've experienced at Tableau is it really reduces that waterline. It's not data isn't just held by a few people. It's held by all of the employees. And so um, that's really key is that culture. So it's it's one of the things that um, you know our former CEO really hammers. We still we still um, say that it's uh, you have to have that community, and then you have to have that support. So not everybody knows everything. I don't know everything, and so um, you know, you don't be afraid to ask for help. Hey, does anybody know how to do X, Y, Z in Tableau? I want to show this kind of data point, and there'll be three or four people that's ready to jump in and say, "This is how you do it." Um, and so it becomes this community kind of takes a village kind of um, motion. Right, and. Um... The other thing I was thinking, so I've done a, a lot of work on sort of re- reporting and you know, essentially trying to take, make value out of data for, for a number of um, customers of ours. And um, there's often, there, there's always lots of, lots of positives, but there, there can often be things that, that get in the way of, of full delivering of value. I wonder what, what some of the key roadblocks that you sort of see for that to be able to really get the value out of your data. Uh, to, to really get the value out of your data, um, the, the biggest thing is, at least from a customer's perspective, is just know where they are, know their pain points, know what they're looking for. Um, for example, if somebody is really struggling, and and one of the things that we you know we don't have is is telemetry really. Um, you know, we value customer data, and so we don't we don't have built-in kind of feedback on those things. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, you know, it really is just an understanding of the customer's journey, right? Where they are, their maturity, and just deeply, deeply knowing how you can help them succeed in where they want to go with that data. So that's that's the biggest. That's the, that's the, kind of the hardest thing to to do that because we have kind of these blueprints on and and best practices on what we 
But what we have, right, we kind of have this library of knowledge. This is what you should do. This is what a graph should look like. This is what it, you know, what, what, what will tell you. But really um, understanding customer is one of the key things to, for success there. Okay, thanks. And, and, I, and I guess obviously your, your platform allows the, the unification from multiple sources that, that helps because obviously, as you, you mentioned at, at, at Boeing, you know, data unification is a massive, massive piece. I mean, talk to, yeah, like if it's all yeah. siloed away, very hard to do that, that kind of cross analysis. Um, the, the other piece that I often encounter as well is data, data quality. You know, we, we're increasingly, you know, increasingly amount, amounts of data and therefore, just the increasing amounts of clutter that we're going to find in our in our data. Have you got any you know things that you've you sort of experienced with sort of <laughs> helping yeah. solve some of that problem? How, how do you deal with with those those challenges? Yeah, a couple a couple of ways. Uh, first of all, I'm going to plug in Tableau Prep. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> but to be honest, you know, you're looking at this dirty data, dirty data, and one thing that you do is, um, do you want to perfect that data? So there are two kind of camps here um, at Tableau. Uh, we just kind of deal with it. And we know that there there is that, but you can have custom calculations, for example, that kind of clean that up um, and, and change that meaning. One of the trickiest things, um, an example at Starbucks would be changing the meaning of the field, right? And so in 2020, uh, field Y means revenue, and now it means something else, right? Um, profit for example. And so um, looking back historically, you know, uh, you can either change the, all those values back in, you know, in all your historical tables um, to make that line up, or you can just um, kind of be agile and figure that out. And you're going to be frustrated. So they're going to be, and these scenarios again, range. And so one of the things that I could say is um, it's going to be frustrating. Um, and just just make just just be calm and ensure that you know the data is represent the data as best as you can. Um, you know that it's clean once you've cleaned it up, and so um, you know try not to get wrapped up in in how that was created. Um, and when you're presenting or something like that, um, just know that you know that is the the true form re- expression of that data. Great, and I often think it's helpful to say. For, to, be, to get value out of you know data, you don't need to be a hundred percent perfect. You know, actually five percent or whatever. You know, there's there's plenty of intelligence. There's, you know, we're not we're not pl- plugging this into a computer who's like you know, firing people or hiring. You know, there's there's a step in between those big decisions right. getting, getting exactly. Made. With some human yeah. intuition that can be passed over it. So, and as long yeah. as you can defend that, you know, that data point or something, um, it, you should be okay. Um, you know, people are understanding on if you can construct kind of the meaning of that data. Um, it's just not inefficient. You know, it's not efficient to go back through all of history and change all the data points. You know, for example, just to clean that up. And the business value out of that is not as much as though you know, as if you were just constructing. Um, insights out of the data that you do have. So, just one one last thing that um, was really interesting on from from your conversation earlier with with Tom was around around linearity and just how you use that in your in your forecasting. Um, and and yeah, and I think probably a, a scenario many people are familiar with with um, yes, the certain ramp up to the end of the, the month, end of the quarter, where suddenly deals come in. Um, how far? Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you you sort of look to build your model, how far back you go, how how you might sort of aggregate over over different periods to try and understand what you think your linearity is? Yeah, um, you you 
you know, as 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 an analyst, you you basically look at all the variables in in different ways, and then and then there becomes kind of this art where you kind of you, where you judge, where you find out um, what this what you know, you just make a call at the end of the day. And so, um, for example, um, last year was a very off year, right? And you know, to your point, it looks like you know, in many cases, linearity they look like hockey sticks, where they just it, it hits the uh, at the last month or last quarter. Um, we know that. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, I look at it um, based on last year and see how much because uh, the recent past is a really good proxy for what's going to come. Um, you know, I evaluate it in the last three years um, and then kind of make a call on that. So just to remove some of that variability, anything older than that would be, I think it's just, it depends on how fast your business is changing. If you have, if you have a hyper growth business, um, that is a very different business compared to three years ago. I typically don't look back um, further than three years. That's really helpful. Thanks. That's brilliant. All right. And with that, Adam, again, thank you for, for sharing as much as you have on the show. If you're listening, I hope you enjoyed the new structure with the, the classic sales ops interview and then the more detailed, uh, specific questions from Alex. Uh, give us some feedback uh, if you have any thoughts. But Adam, I want to thank you again for coming on, being so honest, uh, being so open with what you're doing at the moment. It was a real pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.